Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be De Beer. The hottest topics of Australian rugby. Uh, we've got the A-team back tonight because we're going to get stuck into uh, one very burning question which could go in many different directions. So, joining us tonight, Hugh Cavill once again. How are you, Hugh? I'm good, I'm good. I'm good, Reg. And, and look, apologies to the listeners if, if the quality's a bit sketchy tonight. I mean, it always is generally, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're on some uh, limited connectivity here and... Uh, uh, you think after eight years we might have worked this out, but um, obviously the uh, budgets haven't stretched that far, have they, mate? <laughs> the limited so I guess I was going to say, Matt Rowley joined us, so I guess that the conversations with Twiggy Forrest didn't go well. No, they didn't, mate, so I'm back with cap in hand. Um, but, you know, technology constraints is like, that's Australia's NBN anyway, isn't it, Hugh? So um, we're, we're all on bad connections. But anyway, yeah, good, good to be back, but... Uh, it's going to be a punchy one um, tonight, I think, Reg. I think, um, I don't know, I don't think anyone's on for a, a big um, end-to-end examination. As, as strange as that sounds, it's, it's, a, it's a hard topic to cover at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of snail it on the heads. I mean, obviously the Wallabies got up 45-34, their, their third win of the season after being down... What was that half time score? Thirty one seven or something, which is which is ridiculous. I mean, I I still can't get my head around it. Know how I feel, but um, still struggle to overcome and and see how we were from that first half. So look, let's beyond the game. If you want to comment about the game, Matt, let's do it. But how does that see us um, as a Wallaby sort of going forward? Now we're about to play the All Blacks in a few weeks' time uh, as the third. Uh, you know, meaningless, meaningless but it's like match before we head up overseas to play against England, Wales and Italy. Where do you think we stand, the implications on the coaching panel, players, all that sort of stuff? Well, I mean, yeah, this, this is this dead rubber is usually our kill zone, right? Um, if, if we've ever got a chance of beating the All Blacks, it's in this game. Yep. But, um, oh, look, it's interesting. I couldn't believe it. You know, that second half was quite amazing. But if you look at the stats... Basically, what happened was it was just a complete 100% turnaround. So, um, you know, one way of looking at it, and I know this sounds, this is going to sound pretty churlish, I guess, but, um, you know, basically the Argentinians were as rubbish in the second half as we were in the first. Yeah. Um, and, and so you can say that this was an amazing turnaround, or you can basically say it was, you know, you know one of the other sides had, had their chance of being really rubbish. This, that's the territory stats completely just flipped around. Um, the possession snaps flipped around, the missed tackles flipped around. Um, all those things um, basically happened. The only thing actually that wasn't shared out equally was penalties. Um, we totally dominated that in managing to give away, I think it was like 12 to 5, and as a yellow card as well. That the discipline was absolutely atrocious. Um, and as much as I loved a lot of what was on display in that second half, it did leave me, and I'm really, I'm going to be really interested to hear what you guys have to say about this as well, but it, it just left me. I don't know, scratching my head and wanting to pull my hair out a little bit. I mean, I think Ian Payton um, summarised it for me, really. He, he had a couple of different tweets. What, the first one, and Payton's a great friend of the pod, um, and he now works for um, Rugby Australia. Um, but in the first half, he actually tweeted, I have no idea what the Wallabies' defensive system is. <laughs> 
Um, uh, and so, and I think a lot of people agreed with that. But then, you know, at the end of the match, he wrote this tweet, which was, you know, the world has missed 20 tackles in the first half, three in the second, denied Pumas the ball by kicking from danger zones, being direct and no rush defense, took all year, but there's your blueprint. Now, I couldn't disagree with that, except it was in the second half of the very last match of the rugby championship. Um, and, and I mean, how many other tests have we already had this year? And, and that it only happened in the second half. Like, it's not like we went out with it. Mm. And, there are so, and there are so many things about what he's written there that you just go, um, duh, like, you know, get your exits right, get your territorial kicking right, don't play in the wrong end of the field, run straight. And there's a whole bunch of things in there that you just end up going, as much as I love seeing us come from behind in the second half to win, you almost, it was almost even worse because you're like, why is it, why would it have to be in that, in the second half that you, only now that you'd figure out all those things. And to give you an example of this, which is maddening, the decisions that get made at the Wallabies, which, for, and I'll give you another one, which is that everyone else can see and go, why on earth have you done that? That is nuts. Every single fan or half fan out there could see that, was, which was, fine, give Bernard Foley a rest because you don't think he's on song. But no one, upon no one thought, putting Kurtley Beale at 10 was a good idea. Um, you know, everyone knew that he's going to go sideways and that at best he's, he's at 12 or even on the wing or full, fullback. He's not a 10 and we've tried that. Um, and yet, you know, our coaching um, staff decided that was a great, let's give that for a couple of games, let's give that for a couple of games or three games and see how that goes. And it went exactly how all of us thought. That for me is just a microcosm of what we saw play out in that whole match was first half, let's do all the crazy shit that hasn't worked the last three years. And then just in the second half, after some bizarre spray at halftime, apparently it takes to get these guys to play, that they do all those things that Pato just talked about. And surprise, surprise, we can put points on. I don't get it. I'm just left absolutely shaking my head as much as I love seeing those points being scored. In some ways, it was even more infuriating. Yeah, 100%. And I, I don't get the turnaround. And I don't I don't know if it's it's Czechies ranting and raving at halftime, which I, I, I find it hard to believe because I'm sure he does that most games anyway. Um, how does he not turn the team on at the start of the game? The bizarre, and I tweeted it, but I didn't quite understand why, why when you're down 31-70, replace the entire front row. As it turned out, the replacement front row did pretty damn well, and I think they were pretty damn instrumental in in turning things around. They at least started to take it straight and play a bit of that um, direct rugby which we wanted to see. Um, but you're right, Matt. It's it's bizarre. I don't get it. And, and it's it's as much. Look, enjoy the win, and I'm, we'll go to you, Hugh, in a second. Well, I know you're you know a big fan of enjoying these moments, but you know if it wasn't for Nicholas Sanchez and and the the, the Pumas just looking dog tired in that second half. Who, who knows? This would be a, a much worse or much clear-cut kind of conversation. Hugh, from your perspective, um, yeah, down big loss at half-time, tremendous comeback. You enjoy that as a win, or, or do you get the chance to analyse a little bit further? Oh, you know, a bit of both. I think I think you've got to enjoy it as a win, and it was a pretty remarkable comeback. Um, I, I think, um, you know, Matt, Matt's comments are interesting. I think there's a bit of revisionist history a little bit. I, I mean, I, I do... I'll put my hand up and say I thought Beal at 10 was probably worth a shot. Um, me too. I'm me too. Yeah, and in hindsight, you know, that probably wasn't the smartest, you know, decision uh, to, to, to make. And, and, you know, in hindsight, we'd been burnt a few times before, but it looked like we did need something different in that role. 
Now, obviously, yep. Beal wasn't that person. I, I think to add to what you said, Matt, and, and to you know, Ian Payton's tweets obviously um, summed up a lot of my feelings as well. It gets back to basics. And I think the other thing was just, just catch and pass. And that was a lot of our, our tries. just came from holding the ball, you know, getting some solid hit-ups over the gain line, playing a flat to the line, hitting, hitting onto the ball with pace, and then exploiting numbers when we got them. I mean, that Dane Haylett petty try... Um, was you know just literally hands through the back line you know with a one man overlap and and we've spoken about it a few times this year is the Wallabies' inability to do that through the year has been a defining feature of just you know literally exploiting a one or two man overlap and in that second half we finally managed to start doing it it um you know it, it was it was equally parts good and frustrating and I think you know what you said is 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 true, Matt. That that some of these things that they do this year. I mean, I'm I'm sometimes one for saying, well, you know, the coaches are the ones that are the experts, and they study the X's and O's, and and sometimes us punters, you know, don't have the full picture. But some, you know, things like our insistence on playing rugby in our own twenty-two, um, and our line-out, two things that have just been basically albatrosses around our neck all bloody year, um, you know, have been something that we haven't fixed and in, in that second half all of a sudden we started kicking from our own half we started actually playing a little bit more intelligently around the field our line out actually started winning its own ball and and surprise surprise things started to turn around i mean it you know it, you're right i mean it's it's you know you, you smile because it was a comeback and it was a win that we needed um and you hope it's a turning point but also it is you do go geez what what why has it taken us this long to realize um, you know what the hell we need to do to win a rugby game. So, so what does it do? And, and guys, I encourage you both. And I know you know we don't often uh, promote other podcasts, but the Rugby Ruckus podcast with um, Ben Kimber and, and Morgan Turanui is very good. Turanui does some fantastic analysis, and particularly this week, and it's fascinating to. to have a listen to that, but also try and grab the screen grabs that they had on their social media, um, and just talks a lot of the, the defensive strategies. But as much as anything, he's, what he's picked up is the distrust amongst the players for the other players. There's a, a lot of snaps there, particularly in defence, where you know you got Genia, Pocock, and Hooper in particular doing so much cover defence because they just don't trust the system, um, and the feeling that those guys are just running themselves absolutely ragged to do so. Um, and, and that, as much as anything, is, is causing um, you know a lot of this sort of uh, defensive weaknesses when these players aren't, you know, one aren't manning up to the system, but two are just, you know, so exhausted from trying to cover other people. So really interesting one. Let's move forward, guys. They're they're all back in town. The Wallabies are off doing their leave and so on. Check is back in town. They got back yesterday, Monday night. He's apparently before the board. I couldn't quite see when the board meeting is i think it might be this week what's the future uh, anticipate being the future for checker for checkers men even the players do we expect a big shake up there matt what do you think will happen are you hearing anything yourself um, i haven't haven't um uh, picked anything up although um actually i think i'm going to be at an event with Raylene castle on saturday <laughs> uh bizarrely enough but um the everest everest races yeah um so Look, it, it, from the signalling that we've heard, it doesn't look like it's a firing squad, that's for sure. And maybe it would have been different. Um, I mean, there's a lot of chatter that's gone around in the press, at least, um, about that, you know, with a loss that who knows what the question they might have been asking. But with the win, 
uh, it's definitely the smoke signals that um, Raylene put in um, in the press. It definitely doesn't look like it's a firing squad. But I can't help but think, I mean, just building off your points, you're just making their reg. Um, and it's hard to believe that there's another podcast that can do better analysis than this. <laughs> um, helps when they watch the games, I guess. Um, is that, um, is, let's just, let's talk about defence. I mean, I cannot remember ever, any of us, let alone the players, having surely less confidence in our defence than we have had, in fact, for how long now? I mean, you know, it's it, it's been at least, I mean, I, I, I actually, my memory doesn't go back beyond the last World Cup, so let's just go yeah, since that's, the last World it's Cup. It's the last World Cup, the, the Wales game, where we all thought our defence was sensational. It was amazing, and it was. Yeah. Um, but since then, it's been, and I actually games before that, but um, since then anyway, in terms of system, and don't get me wrong, there have been games when people just put their players in the line, and you're quite rightly, you know, giving big ups to three players who've, you know, um, been giving their all, but just in terms of a defensive system, and if if those guys are better analysts than us are right, and they're saying, look, you can just clearly see that the players don't trust the system, don't know the system, can't make the system work, that's the same freaking system we've been trying to make work well whatever it is almost no one can describe it that we've been seemingly trying to make work for the last three years and it's still a disaster um yeah. you know we we've managed to bring down our average points that we ship in a test match from 32 to 25 yeah. um you know we're in silly numbers at, you know at that level anyway um but it's you know it's delivered us the season that we've got um i you know i how do you go past that review without asking that question and saying, you know, had three years, it's not, it's, well, sorry, it's moved from 32 to 25. Is that a pat in the back? Uh, and an all clear? I mean, you know, you look at this last test and you're like, wow, that was, you know, not far away from. And it, it, even with the win, um, Argentina only needed to score a penalty, I think, to actually come third in the rugby um, in this championship rather than fourth. Um, so they only needed to get a bone point um, and get within the seven, and they would have um, done better than us, I believe. Um, so, so look, I, but having said all that, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we get status quo after Friday. Um, I would actually feel marginally better if they actually address that. And as much as everyone loves the man and the history that is Nathan Gray, I mean, I don't know how we continue to go shipping 25 to 30 points in test matches. Yeah, look, my, my think. My thinking is, and I, again, I haven't heard anything, and this is a bit of an interpretation of, of interviews and so on. And, and in fact, even at the NRC launch, which was, God, the day after or the week after another Wallaby loss, it's hard to identify which one they all sort of roll into each other. But Castles asked then about Checker's position, and she said he's safe. He's got the support of the board, I think, legitimately, um, not just a, as a, a knife in the back type thing. But I, I think that's a payout. Australian rugby can't. Afford. I don't know what the situation with the assistant coaches is, but they asked specifically. Journo's asked specifically about the assistant coaches, particularly Nathan Graham, um, and she wouldn't commit. And I think his job would be the most uh, under question. But I also think Steve Larkins. And if you think of our attack this year, this I think I read a stat today that this, it was only this game when we scored whatever how many forty odd points that finally did we um, reach? Did our average point scored this year go over twenty? Um, per game so our attack's not working either uh, other than that sort of second half so I think Larkin might be um, in danger as well what it means who we bring in I don't know I guess there's all manner of 
coaches doing stuff overseas you know you wouldn't sort of jump up and down at any of the locals um super rugby coaches just yet whether guys like a Laurie Fisher or a, a Peter Ryan who I think might be coaching Fiji or something like that might be interested in coming in and helping out um that's where you'd be looking for Scott Wisemantle's a name that keeps coming up I'm not too sure Phil, Mo- Phil Mooney still sort of got his toe in the game um, without that sort of elite contract so maybe he might be something I don't know but uh, those two assistant coaching positions I'm not too sure about the forwards coaching just yet that's a relatively new appointment but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see both Lark and Gray um, go so um, we'll see how quickly that happens Hugh what's your feeling on that structure? Yeah, I think I'd be happy with that if that if that was to happen. I'm not sure we'll see both, considering that they've been grooming Larkin for so long. His uh, his yeah. his um, you know, demotion would surprise me, given that that was always the succession plan. Um, to move away from that would would be pretty shocking. But I think it might be time that Gray is becomes the sacrificial lamb of sort of sorts. And he's had a pretty good run. And you know, our defense has had its moments. I mean, you know, against Ireland, it was pretty good earlier in the year but it just seems to be you know two steps back one step forward kind of thing and 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 you know it it it, um it's been pretty pretty grim sort of viewing so i mean that's where if you do want to feature in a world cup then that's what you need to get right and i think it's not what we've got at the moment And, and you know do we you know you can look outside the box a little bit and dare i say even have probably a non australian um in that position if it's just one assistant defense coach you know a um, you know, what was that bloke Edwards who was the the guru for um for Sean Edwards was it for Wales or yeah oh, yeah yeah the former uh, leaguey yeah 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 you know someone like that someone a, a, a little bit um yeah but but you know that's just a that's just a bit of a wild out idea so who knows where they end up well, yeah. well you're Phil Gustard uh, Phil Gustard who was coaching England defence um, I think he's now at Harlequins. Um, I mean, yeah, so he's not on an international contract. Um, anyway, yeah, the appeal of the there would be people out there. Yeah, for a 12-month contract that's going to get you to the World Cup might have a real interest for some of those sort of career coaches looking for that next step. It'd be fascinating to see. Um, look, one final sort of question before we wrap up. You know, this European tour, I guess New Zealand, I can't, don't know the dates, I don't know how quickly they fly onto each other. Normally we sort of fly to New Zealand at Tokyo this year and then keep going on. Um, do we stick with the status quo? Is it a time to rest players? Is it a time to try new players? What's your feeling with that, Hugh? Do you, is it time to mix things up from a playing perspective? No, I don't think so. Look, I don't think there's a huge amount more we can do. I think the players we've got are the ones we've got. I mean, there'd be some tinkering, obviously, and, you know, seeing a bloke like, Gus Cottrell, I'd like to see Caleb Timu get a bit more time. Um, you know, it was a bit of a shame he was left on the bench on Saturday. Um, and, you know, a few people that I'd like to see get get runs, but I don't think it... I, I think we should be continuing to, to work through our combinations for, for a World Cup, which is coming very, very um, quickly at us. And so I don't think we've got the time to be really doing too much experimentation. Um, you know, giving people run off the bench or or a start here and there might be a good idea, but um, you know, I think time is of the essence, and I, I don't really want to be stuffing around too much anymore. What about you, Matt? Yeah, no, I tend to agree. I'm, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of choice out there. Um, actually, I think we, you know, we're starting to find find ourselves a little thin in some of the positions. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind. I agree with you. Maybe there's a little rotation you could do in there, but um, yeah, I mean, I. 
it's it, it's starting to sort of pick itself a little bit. I mean, I, um, it looks like Foley's kind of back in the, in at ten. Um, I, probably the more thing I'm interested in is just so okay that second half against Argentina, whatever decisions you made in terms of playing style, and it seemed to be in all facets, you know, kicking, exits, attack, and defence. <laughs> um, why not try that in the first half of a match? Or why not mm. indeed, you know, if, you know, swap that in and out, if actually that's what we've got to. I've got a massive question about what the hell happened in that Argentina test between the two halves. Because, look, I, I didn't see the whole 10 minutes of the uh, of uh, the halftime thing. It looked to me, though, it was one gigantic spray. I, I, I don't know that there was time or, or do I or do I believe that at another point, not on camera, they sort of feel out you know, our clinical plan B that we always planned that we're going to switch to in the second half and suddenly score 45 points, um, having played like a complete busted hash in the first half. Um, I think the interesting question that's kind of that floated around the Twitter sphere was who did decide to make those changes in playing style in the second half? And, you know, was did it come from the coaching staff or did the players finally say, okay, if you want me to step up and bang, you're going to bang me on the chest and say, I need to step up. I'm going to stop playing your bullshit defensive system. And I'm going to stop trying to run everything out of my own 22. And, you know, we're just going to do it really simple and just, you know, and get our heads down and do what we know works best rather than these stupid dummy decoy plays that no one falls for anyway that run sideways into the line. I mean, is that what happens? Because if it, if it is, that's bloody interesting. And, and and that's, if I wanted to see anything, I'd love to see the players go, right, okay, let's do it to where we actually play like we know can actually win a test match rather than, blow up into massive boilovers that are you know, more likely to have us losing a match than win one. Yeah, yeah, all very interesting. And look, I mean, I, that'd be a fascinating question, where, where, that question, where that change came from. I'm going to go back to the previous question about players. Um, and it's hard because I think this three-match series is, is winnable for the Wallabies. Um, you know, Wales, obviously very good. We have so much of a wood over them, but, you know, that's a that's a winnable game for us. Italy obviously winnable, um, and uh, England uh, still a bit of a state of flux with them, and, and it'll be damn tough. And you wouldn't back us, but that's winnable. So you'd think that's status quo. But in the back of my mind, it remains with me that the look of the likes of Hooper, um, Beal, Genia, um, uh, Kepu, uh, Co, Co, sorry, Falau, most definitely. Uh, these guys could do with a break, and I almost feel like a, an off-season fresh up for them prior to the World Cup um, after a year of heightened stress. And you know, all reports I'm hearing from behind the scenes is, scenes is that these guys, that was at least before this game, these guys have never felt the pressure much as much as they have um, this season. Um, that a chance for them to get away from it and freshen up a little bit. Um, might be handy. Look, if, if there's new assistant coaches, that's less likely because these are guys that have to learn the system. But I would be looking at guys like, um, uh, you know, Tom Banks, giving him a, a, a due run. Uh, Jordan Pattaya, who continues to impress at the NRC level. Um, Jake Gordon needs some game time. Mate, I'd be looking at Chris Alcock, Brynard Stander from the force in the back row, giving them runs. Darcy Swain from the Vikings. Um, ben Hine is my dark horse for the World Cup. He's the closest we've got from another Ben Moen in terms of a, a, a decent line-out forward, an absolute workhorse on the pack of the scrum. He does everything Ned Hannigan does, um, but with impact. Um, 
these are all high quality players and I'll throw it out there Quade Cooper will end up being the NRC player of the season I reckon um, and he is deserving of a call up and I, I think it's worth uh, the Wallabies giving these guys a chance and even even likes of Carmichael Hunt Duncan Paiua continues to impress an attack can't tackle crap which is un- but um, these are all players that I think it's time I think it's there is no nothing to lose from giving these players a shot over there and resting some of these big name players so, other than the combination of new coaches let's get Let's get the headline then, Reg. Calling for Quade Cooper to be back in the gold jersey. Is that is that? Yeah, right? I would. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think these guys, Genia, Foley, Beal, that triumphant there in particular need a break. Folau definitely, and and Hooper and Pocock too. And, and I think you can replace those guys with you know with you know Gordon, Cooper. Um, Billy Meeks or Duncan Payer, who are these guys? And look, you know, we're going to risk our chances of winning these games, but I think taking a tired, fatigued and brain-dead uh, players, and, and I, I mean brain-dead politely, that's not to say that they're dumb, I just mean they are fatigued from this intense season, um, taking these guys on another overseas tour for four or five weeks of Checker yelling at them under pressure, I, I don't think it's the best environment for these players. I, I, I don't see any loss with bringing in some new new players to um, give that Wallaby jersey a bit of a spark and, and, and see who comes up. I mean, that's a guy like Jordan Pattaya, we're, we're, we need an outside centre. We don't have an outside centre. I'm a Hodge fan, but we don't have an outside centre option yet. And if Kurandrani and Karevi take longer than expected to come back, who we who we got to play 13? So I don't know. That's 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 something I'd be looking at very seriously. I mean, that would be. I mean, yeah, ballsy, Reg. I, I, um, yeah, I, I, you got to think that's a uh, slim to none chance, though, wouldn't you? Oh, that, that, they'd take, that, that, that they'd take that risk. Um, and I, you know, I think the, the pressure on the wins at the moment is is so huge. I, I agree with your viewpoint, which is I'm not sure how much different it might be, but. Um, yeah, it's hard to see them sort of doing that with the pressure they've got at the moment to get that win rate up. Yeah. yeah. But it's just sometimes when these under-pressure coaches are really under pressure, they start looking for miracle players. You know, these young players we saw it with Eddie Jones and we, we saw it with John Cardinley. That's when they start picking these guys from the field. Look, I don't expect it to happen. And like I said, particularly if they change assistant coaches, but uh, it's what I would do. Um, and I think it's got a lot of merit. Um Lads, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to, like we said, short and sharp. I do just want to acknowledge that uh, last round of the NRC this weekend, um, two cracking games over in the West, the Western Force are hosting Fiji Dura, as well as being a horror and little game. It will decide who is the minor premier, so who finishes on top of the table. The other big clash that's probably more important is uh, Brisbane are hosting Canberra Vikings at East Rugby Club in Brisbane. Uh, and whoever wins that finishes in the final four, whoever loses drops out. So two pretty important matches, particularly that second one um, in Brisbane. So NRC has been really good this year, last round this weekend. Um, anything else you want to add, Matt, before we chuff uh, off? No, no, you no, no. I yourself? mean, yeah. I mean, yes, sorry, was... <clears throat> no, no, that's all good. Hugh, what yeah. about yourself, Matt? You're all good? Yeah, all good. I think we'll be back what, probably after post though maybe spring tour preview. Can't wait. Yeah, exactly. And we'll, we'll be here with the news should any sort of anything eventuate with that Wallaby uh, coaching positions too. But to all our listeners, thanks for joining in, uh, short and sharp. Uh, and uh, let us know your thoughts on who should be coaching and maybe who's in that, should be in that Wallaby squad in our comments section on Facebook or Twitter. Hit us up. And until next time, we'll catch you soon.
Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a